Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Sports Center. Um, nope. MGR Unplugged. We're going to talk sports today, David. I know. I don't know if I told you or not. No, but it's okay. I can. No, no, no. I, I, I do want to discuss sports, but um, we have a few uh, tech uh, topics as well. And uh, there's a lot of tech in the news these days, especially with the TikTok that we discussed that Trump wants to cancel or ban in the U.S. And then now is Microsoft is in the uh, purchasing area apparently. And you have more details that I, I'm not aware of yet or the latest news. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft. We're going to discuss the economy a little bit. Stock market keeps going up, um, which nobody seems to understand why. But we're close to records again. And um, we'll probably end with a few light notes as well as far as some um, companies that are surprising as well in the um, electric car um, industry. So we'll just get started. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. All right, welcome back, David. Basketball, I love basketball. This week, I actually, um, I, I mean it like really. I, I think the uh, Orlando bubble is kind of cool. Actually, I'm, I'm impressed on um, um, how well it's flowing overall. You know, like I thought it was gonna be like, oh, this is gonna be like a scrimmage or something, but no, it looks actually pretty good. Is that, is that what you think too? Or yeah, I was a little worried at first just because. I thought the atmosphere without the crowd would be like weird, um, and yeah, it's not normal, but it's it actually it's been really good. Like you don't really miss the crowd that much. I don't miss him. I don't. I miss think the- maybe when you get in, like I still think it'll be weird. Like, like you know, we're gonna get into the finals and shit, and it's like. A team's going to win a championship, and they're just going to be, like, celebrating by themselves. Like, there's no crowd or anything. Yeah, yeah. So, well, there's all the confetti and all that stuff. And But, but no, I mean, overall, first of all, I'm impressed with the level of basketball, the quality. For, oh, it's for, been great. For players that have been basically not training or doing much for four months, and they were picking after the um, All-Star break uh, when everybody starts getting up to, to full speed to make the playoffs, and they've been off – uh, some of them couldn't even work out much at the facilities. Everything was shut down. So, but the level of it has been pretty good as far as the the uh, the basketball uh, quality, and then the competitiveness. I mean, these guys, the the teams that made it there, which is like 20, two. 22 teams. I, I mean, uh, except for maybe one or two that are not that go out, that, you know, playing that well and they have no chance. The rest of them are playing like every game is a playoff. Uh, well, game. it is. It for is a lot. For a lot of them, yeah. Right, because they, they expanded the, the format. We're not going to get into the whole thing right now. But, I mean, the, the thing is that, I mean, the Suns, obviously, is my, your team. My Phoenix Suns are 3-0. and we were, Well, who knows what it'll be, because by the time this podcast comes out, they play later today. Yeah, they that's may, why they play today. They yeah. may win or lose again. But, but so um, far, they've won some pretty tough games. They beat the Mavericks. They beat the Clippers. Yep. Um, so they're 3-0. The first one was a little bit... It was um, the Wizards. That the was Wizards. the gimme game. Right, but we beat the Mavs and the Clippers. The and, Clippers and, was the big one because, because yeah, uh, I mean, if you haven't seen it, Devin Booker hit a game winner. I uh, yeah, the buzzer beater. Yeah. I I screamed and sprinted around my uh, living room when uh, he hit that. Um, yeah, it was a great game. Devin Booker. Uh, people, I think, are finally realizing how good he is. It's not like the buzzer beater is one thing, fine, whatever, but. 
it's like he had 35 points and he basically won us the game like because he hit the shot before that too uh mm -hmm. there, he, the buzzer beat is the one everyone saw but before that we needed to score and he hit a shot too and it's just like he has an amazing ability to just like like when you need a bucket he will get you, you that see, bucket. Which like, is, yeah. you see very few players with that ability. You know, I think he really, and he's only 23, I think. Because uh, he was young. He was 18 when he came in the league. So he, this is his fifth year in the league. So he has much more experience. But he's only 23. He's not old. Right, right. Uh, but, but remember, the game before is when he was in foul trouble. And yeah, uh, I mean, he's in foul. He he basically in the Mavericks, which I'm sure not many people watched, but uh, he got five fouls with like six minutes left in the third quarter. Right, and uh, he still finished the game. So he only played very limited minutes, and he still finished the game with thirty, and basically kept us in that game the whole because we were getting blown out in the beginning, and uh, he had like yeah, that was a game oh, that I was, I was watching that game. Uh, a little bit, not a whole thing, but um, that's one game that I thought we were going to lose, and then we were down by 10, 12 the whole game. And it's not just him. I mean, the whole team has been playing really well. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it's fun to see. Uh, but overall, the basketball... Suns have not been to the playoffs in 10 years. Maybe this will be our year. It's still tough. We're still very far. We need to basically... There's eight games, and we basically probably need to go 8-0 at, at minimum 7-1. and one. So we don't, we don't have much room for No, error. I understand. But aside from the Suns, um, I think the overall quality yeah, yeah, of basketball and the competitiveness... Great. No, I mean, and some of the, the intensity of the game... Because, like, like, I was watching um, Portland and... Who are they playing? Um, Lakers or... No. Was like, who was Portland playing? Oh, no. Rockets? That one was good too, but anyways, the it was oh oh Portland versus the Celtics, oh. and the Celtics are fighting for seeding in the East, and Portland is fighting for a playoff spot against the Suns and all that, and the Celtics had a huge lead, and then Portland came back, and the fourth quarter of that game was like a I mean it felt like a fucking conference finals or something yeah yeah but yeah. it's in theory just a regular season game yeah you know I mean it was really intense it, you know overall I think it's great the sports is back I mean. Uh, all this, uh, we keep hearing. It's a, it's a welcome distraction, that's for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I have something to like, like outside of work and stuff. It's like, like I have something to look forward to that's not work related, basically. Plus, I mean, we 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 like that kind of. I mean, even if you're not a hardcore sports fan, that you like the entertainment factor. You know, you like the distraction of having something else to look into or to look at on TV that is not bad news or worse news or terrible news. Well, you know? we were talking before the podcast. I. I I really been cutting down my my news consumption because I really I'm just I'm like trying to disengage a bit. It's it's too much negativity constantly, and it just puts me in a bad mood. So I've really been cutting down on the news, and then on top of that, because basketball's back, I've been just reading a lot of like basketball news. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about topics before the show, and you were like telling me about things. So I was like, oh, I didn't even hear about that. And you're yeah. Like, You've been paying with the news? I was like, no, I haven't. I said, I've been, the only news I've been reading is basketball news. Other than that, I don't want to hear political news, you know? But no, it's been I know. refreshing. I know, I know. It's good. And, and, and to be honest, it's just getting to a point where we're just, I personally feel like lethargic with all this, um, like COVID 19 and the news and the pandemics and the new numbers and the new cases and all this bickering back and forth and whether. Yeah, it just, it this just really feels like burst. everybody's spinning tires right now. Yeah, like, I, I mean, feel I, like we made no progress. Like in the beginning, it felt like, 
okay, back in March, April, it was like, all right, we're going to shut down. This is needed, blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to reopen. It will all be good. And now, I mean, it's August. And it feels like really from like June through now August, like the last two, three months, there's been like no progress. Like no. it doesn't feel like Remember anything's that we, different. We actually, I think it was Like, like is anything today different? What is it today? August 6th or 5th? Yeah, 6th. Uh, then June 6th, two months ago? Does no. it feel any different? No. The thing is that I think we recorded like two weeks ago saying that six months into or five months into a pandemic, we know nothing more, basically. Well, and the other thing, though, that actually I'll say in, in, dis in disagreement with what I just said, that is really underreported and it makes me question agendas is that um, there's actually a lot of treatments now that work really well, like hydroxychloroquine with zinc seems to work really well. Uh, they used it in a lot of countries now. Korea uses it. France mm -hmm. uses it. Uh, they use it in, in many places here in the U.S. Remdesivir seems to be working pretty well. That one was more of a question mark, and that one seems to be working better. Like, it seems like treatment actually works pretty well now. Like, we have the treatment. So well, if, you can see that. They, if they, that's the case, then, no pun intended, but if that's the case, then... Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe we're going to have more cases and it's going to keep spreading if we reopen. But if we have solid treatments that basically, because it really seems like the hydroxychloroquine, like you take it for a few days in most cases and you're totally fine. You're good. Mm -hmm. Like, so if it's just like that, like, because there's a lot of sicknesses that you can get and you're sick for three, four days and then you're fine. If that's what this becomes, okay, then maybe we can just go back to normal. You know, because obviously the only, the only people that are still at risk is obviously the older population. Yes. But especially for younger and not at risk people, maybe it is time to reopen. I mean, but it's just, I, I don't even want to say this because it's like, I don't know, it's so well, politicized. The, see, that the, problem, like, the problem is that like people will get upset with me for thinking that. Right. I'm like, okay, well, and, fine. And you it's just my opinion. Else, I'm not a doctor, but it's just my interpretation basically but the thing is the, the reason why i'm just totally like i don't give a fuck anymore to be honest is that it has gone from being a medical health issue to becoming a political issue yeah that's the problem and that is the that's thing the that's when i totally disengage because when when all the medical community with the politicians and stuff are trying to find a common solution to a pandemic which is affecting the entire world and you say okay all the world top-notch scientists, epidemiologists, and everybody's researching this thing to see how we can find a common solution for once, which is the first the first podcast on information and things that I was reading were real experts. They said, you know, the good thing is that for once, the medical community from all countries that are usually are fighting or competing just like anybody else to have the best medications and the best vaccines and, and all that stuff, for once, we're all united. And with the technology that we have, there were doctors in the U.S. communicating with doctors in China and in Europe and this and that, trying to exchange results and testing and information to come up with a common solution to a problem that is affecting the entire world. And that was very good. But then, like you said, lately, it just has become so politicized. Everything is political now. Right. Whether they're wearing a mask, whether they're not like, wearing a mask. Like whether, hydroxychloroquine. I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. So hydrox this is the funny thing. My personal backstory with hydroxychloroquine. So back in February, when nobody seemed to be concerned with the pandemic, I was very concerned. And I was like starting to look up what treatments there were. And um, I remember there was a doctor that I followed on Twitter that was talking about hydroxychloroquine. And he basically made a video explaining um, how the virus works with RNA replicates and everything and how basically 
um, hydroxychloroquine um, plus zinc. Basically, hydroxychloroquine, zinc cannot uh, penetrate the cell barrier very easily, but the hydroxychloroquine allows it to get Breaks in, it down, and right. then the zinc can stop the RNA replicates, I believe is how it works. Um, so it stops the virus from replicating and spreading through your body. Um, and so he, he was talking about, this is in February, and he says, it looks like this works pretty well, and this may be like the treatment that we use. Um, and so I was online, but there had been no studies, there had been no proven cases. So he says, in theory, this will work, but we don't know yet basically is what he said. And I came very close to buying it. I just couldn't find a reputable place to buy it from. And I couldn't, and there wasn't official studies, so I didn't feel comfortable taking something that I was afraid of. And but some people ended up buying the wrong version. Right, right, right. Well, because there's chloroquine. <clears throat> right. Not hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, which they use for like fish, fish tanks. Uh, and, tanks and, right. and, and yeah. that's poison. Basically. That's just people who are kind of ignorant and should right. understand something before they take it. But, but my point was, it was just like, it's just a treatment. There's nothing political about it. It was just right. like, this was a doctor who was talking about this and I was interested in it and I kept an eye on it. And then by the way, like three weeks later on eBay, it was totally sold out. Everywhere it was totally sold out. Um, and it was like, okay, this is working. And now doctors prescribe it everywhere. And, but now because certain politicians talk about it, then it's like becomes politicized. Mm -hmm. It's like, why? And, and they go why like, why is it political? It's a treatment. What does right, that have to do with politics? Right, right. I mean, I like that and everything. I mean, it's, but, but the problem is that people, uh, it's very aggravating because you cannot find a new source that gives you the, the actual truth about the numbers. You know, you keep seeing, oh, the U.S. has all those, all these cases and all that, there's fatality rates and the worst case, the, the U.S. is the worst country in the world as far as treatments. And it's like, okay, give me some specifics because you cannot just throw a number. Yeah, the U.S. has the most cases. We discussed this many times. Yeah, we have the most people, the most technology, and probably the most accurate reporting of cases because if you go to, uh, yeah, Brazil, where the president of Brazil is saying, we're not going to report numbers anymore, out of the blue. And the whole medical community and all that stuff, and well, the who and all that stuff said. It looks said, like it's getting really bad in India, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these are one, countries 1. with 1.6 1. billion. 1.3 billion people. I mean, that's, I mean, we are like 330, 350, or whatever here, million. And those guys are like four times where we are. And not only that, their conditions are not very, very, you know, they're not a, they're a developing country, if that, in, and in many places they are in, in really bad conditions. Yeah, in India, if you're not part right. of the upper class, right. you're fucked. Basically. Exactly, exactly. So, so, you know, I mean, if, if we report everything in the U.S., because we have all this technology and, and this truth in advertising, so to speak, yeah, we're going to have all these cases reported. But I read, like I said, press from all over the world. And then, I mean, there's even countries like Spain or France or whatever. It says, oh, no, we're not reporting these numbers. Oh, now we just discovered that in this nursing home, there were 150 deaths that were misreported. And they come with numbers all over the place and all that stuff. It's like, okay, let's, let's just look at the numbers. Don't use the little soundbite that is convenient for your cause. And that's when everything becomes politicized from, from everybody, from the left, from the right, from the middle, from the press, from the clickbaits, from all that shit. And then on top of that, you say, okay, well, you know, we tried the confinement. Maybe it did work. Well, confi confinement works. It's obviously, like... Right, but that's supposed to be a short-term right, solution. Right, like confinement obviously works because then you can't spread it if everybody's exactly, confined. Exactly. But you can't confine forever because exactly. the economy just gets it, destroyed. Not only the economy. I mean, there's over 
unintended consequences of confinement. I, I think the problem okay? is... You, you have people that the, have been confined and then they start having other issues. They have mental health issues. You have suicide rates going higher. You have domestic violence going higher. You have divorce rates going higher. You have a lot of things that affect families that are together. Kids are not going to school. Parents need to now reschedule their, their plans because if the kids don't go to school, who's going to take care of the kids if they are studying from home with computers or whatever? They need to, I would just read a statistic saying, okay, 50% of the parents are trying to reschedule their work schedule to say, I'm going to go super early and come early home and then my husband is going to be the opposite. So basically somebody's home. I mean, there's a lot of consequences from saying but you're the, confined. The problem I'm more discussing, obviously the pandemic logistics is one thing people will figure it out but it's 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 beyond just the 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 virus is just an obvious example of it but it's just it seems like we've lost the ability to have uh nuanced conversations unemotional nuanced conversations on all sides and i don't i don't know exactly why that happened i don't know why you can't just have a conversation about things without things becoming inflammatory and without or becoming politically right well that's that's what i mean like like i don't know i mean you you can't have the most of the problems we have to this is this is the thing i was thinking about this and i was like like there's always there's the famous Einstein saying that uh, applies to a lot, which is, he says, always try to make things simple, but not simpler. And I think we have way, and it's human nature, but everybody is trying to make things simpler, simpler than they are. But unfortunately, we live in a complex world filled with complex systems interconnected with other complex systems. So this idea of a simple answer is just not going to work. And people try to come with very simple answers to complex problems, and they're always not going to work. And it's like we can't have nuanced conversations about these things, you know? Like, Well, I mean, add to that the fact that people in higher positions or expertise positions, government um, uh, committees, like, I mean, you can think Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birx, President Trump, the opposition, whatever, they come with statements that are sometimes extracted or taken out of context, which meets the headline that whatever news source wants to say. And, you know, like you hear hear Dr. Fauci saying, well, um, coronavirus may stay with us forever. And then he says, just like flu, you know, we have it forever and, you know, we just deal with it. And every year we have a different vaccine because we know this and that, and it, it may be just part of that. But no, that's not what the news says. The news has basically stressed this sound line saying, oh, he says coronavirus is, or COVID-19 is never going to disappear. It's going to stay forever. Okay, well, uh, people that don't read the whole, the, the, the whole explanation is basically on paragraph number 20th when they read the article says, yeah, but that's not a bad thing. That basically means that it's like the cold, the flu, or any other things that just comes and goes and people treat it and then move on with their lives and doesn't stop your life from happening. Yeah. So, so when he says that, that, that explanation that is basically saying it's nothing uncommon, you know, that we have a new virus that is fluctuating around the whole northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere. He's just basically made, making a content, a, a, a statement like a matter of fact. But the headline is not going to say, oh, it's 
something not important. You know, they they extract this thing like, oh yeah, we're in this pandemic and good luck because we're never gonna get rid of it. That's the headline. It's gonna stay for us forever. Yeah. So the other thing too, on so, top of the lack of nuance, is I think that, um, I just think that we've, I think that we've lost our institutions. Um, I think the media institution, the, the the journalistic principles have gone out the window. Um, uh, as far as academic institutions, I just think uh, uh, um, government-run institutions like the WHO, the CDC. Oh, yeah, I, mean, are... I just think we've lost all of our. I, I think people don't trust or have respect for institutions anymore, and it's and, well, how can, how and it's they? their fault. But also, I think that that's a problem because we don't have anyone to look to. We don't have leadership. We don't have institutions. It feels like there's no one that we can trust. And I think that's also maybe even the bigger crisis beyond the pandemic is that there's there's no leadership. There's no accountability. There's no uh, even because even the experts have an agenda. You know, the, the, everything's political. I mean, it's. I don't know necessarily what the solution is. I think the solution, honestly, is just build new institutions. But, but that's the, not something that's done overnight. But also the the experts also are put on the spot because the experts, if the, if the government or a government hires a, a pool of experts from all sources based on strictly on their expertise, for, forget their political agenda, you know, they can always catch you with things that you said like two months ago. Two months ago, you may say, oh, everybody has to uh, face uh, the masks are not so important or right, whatever. But you're talking about media. So, so uh, my right, point but, is that the media... But the media is the, causing the experts to look or watch my, very thoroughly what they're saying. The, the traditional media institutions, I think, um, I just think they're collapsing in front of our eyes and that's why they're acting this way. Um, because I think I told you this the other day, I said, like, you think who has more influence, any single person at CNN or Fox News or any of those or Joe Rogan or like, like, yeah. like, like literally, I think most independent uh, personalities these days online have way more influence than anybody right. at any of these institutions because they are more it's not unbiased even and, and, and they it's invite not, it's not even it's not necessarily unbiased i mean i think that there's plenty of people online who have bias just based on their own beliefs but it's that they don't have an institutional political agenda they don't have they're not corrupt basically you have the corrupt institutions the corrupted and uh, and the independent uh, independent thinkers, right, on both sides. Like, there's plenty of people who have shows and, and opinions that I pretty strongly disagree with, but I'm happy that they exist because they're an outlet outside of the mainstream, right? And that's my point, that I just think that the major traditional institutions are collapsing because I, I just think that we used to live in a world of bullshit and that the internet has exposed all the bullshit. And everybody who made a living off of bullshit is, is, is going out of business. And that appears to be a massive amount of traditional institutions, whether it be universities or traditional media or 
politicians are the kings of bullshit. Okay, I just think well, they're all being exposed. But how do you solve that? Because I think it's being solved. You're a putting a lot of um, by so, doing that. We're putting a lot of um, ownership or decision making on the actual user the actual but the citizen user, but the, that's the market the market decides and the market doesn't want bullshit anymore yes but not everybody has the time the average person and i'm not saying american the average person in the world doesn't have the time to dissect the bullshit from the real news no, or uh, even I even get multiple sources of information i no, I, i actually think people's bullshit detectors have never been stronger Actually. Well, they are getting stronger, but at the same time, I mean, I've done, I've made a great effort to listen to everybody on the spectrum as far as learning about COVID myself and everything else, listening to experts uh, from all over the, the spectrum and the world. I mean, and, and no, they don't even agree, obviously, on yeah, the on the, on the causes. I mean, we don't even know exactly where it originated or anything, but... There's lots of theories out there, but you listen to different experts. The, the problem is not disagreement. People always right. disagree. Scientists disagree on of tons course, of things. Of course they disagree. The problem isn't disagreement. The problem is, like, is, like I said, the lack of having nuanced conversations about those disagreements. Instead of say, getting inflammatory and political, it's, okay, two scientists, respectable people, two doctors, whatever, disagree on what the solution is. Let's sit down and have a nuanced conversation about specifically why we think are certain things. And see if we can figure out who's right that's what it is but you can't do that right now it's just it doesn't well, seem like, like it's i said possible. it's gone from being a health issue to becoming a political issue in all countries i in, know in all know. civilized countries now basically governments are put on the spot or being questioned or being replaced or having elections where the, their whole um success ratio or rate is based on how they dealt with the pandemic forget about everything else And and that's why, you know, I mean, the U.S. has elections in 90 days or less. And forget about everything else in the country. Now it's going to become, you know, the pandemic. That's the main topic. To the point that now they are even saying, oh, Trump is trying to accelerate a vaccine so that he can claim victory. And then but come November, they're going to put a vaccine that is not even... Um, Uh, 50% success rate or anything just to just to claim that this is fine and everything is solved uh, it's like no I mean we're trying to find a vaccine or something that is going to work as soon as possible but I can see that coming October November we're going to get into flu season and people are going to start mixing the COVID with the flu and the cases and all the stuff and then all the hospitals and all the clinics are going to start saying oh we're seeing a bunch of cases people are going to think that they have COVID when they actually don't have COVID I mean it's just crazy and and We're going now into treating this as a political situation versus a medical issue. A medical issue is like you deal with it and let the medical community agree, and then the government helps how much, however they can. But when you treat it like a political issue where governments and presidents are voted upon based on this, it, it just, uh, it just, you lose focus because even the experts, like you said, are biased. The experts are saying, well, if I say this, they're going to quote me in three months saying that, oh, I said it was going to disappear. Well, it may not disappear, you know, or I said the masks are not helping. Well, you know, they may help, but they may not help, may, may not do anything. So I don't know. It, it's just becoming like, like people are trying to say, okay, enough of this shit. You know, I mean, I've already played by the rules for, two months being at home and doing nothing 
and basically just living off the government if I'm at the mercy of their unemployment payment or check. And now I need to make a living, you know, because the, the, the effects of not working are worse than the effects of possibly getting sick, you know. So I, I don't know what the solution is to this. I mean, if we start losing faith in the uh, um, international institutions and all the organisms that are in place to find solutions for us, then what is the... Yeah, other? I mean, th I think there's a lot of things happening. On the international level, I think that we've been moving more and more towards globalism for many years. And I think starting in 2016, and especially it's even grown more now, globalism has just fallen apart. Um, and uh, I don't know, but that's the thing, like even something like that, like I don't know what the right answer is, but I feel like we can't have a conversation about it. You know, like, like I used to be very pro-globalism um, but, uh, I think I was wrong about a lot of things. Um, and I'm willing to admit that I was wrong about a lot. Like I was of the belief, like a lot of other people were that trade can solve all and that global trade will bring more global freedom. And that just doesn't seem to be true. Basically China is one of the biggest, uh, trading, uh, countries in the world but they're not any more free. In fact, the opposite, they're, the people of China are less free. Um, same in the Middle East. Uh, we have lots of trade partners in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia is a huge trade partner, um, but their people are not any more free. So um, I think the, the, the experiment and the hypothesis that was, if you just have free and open trade globally, even with countries that are not free within their own borders, that they will eventually become free because of trade. I think that's failed. Um, and I think that that was the official policy uh, goal of, of many, not just in the United States, but in many countries around the world. And I think it's failed. Um, and now we're readjusting. And that's why you're seeing a rise of nationalism in a lot of countries, because globalism has really fallen apart. Um, but also at the same time, I definitely don't think the answer is complete isolationism that every country should just say, fuck the world and isolate. So right, right. something in so the middle, right. right. Something in the middle but needs to be the answer. Getting back to the, uh, to the COVID situation. Um, wh what do you think will be the final outcome? I mean, I mean, you have president Trump saying, oh, it'll just disappear. I think honestly, Which is it depends on the election. Well, I understand, but this that's Whoever just wins, that's just in the U.S. It'll either uh, to be honest. Ahead, I mean, ahead. but but the thing is that the President Trump says, "Yeah, I, I believe it'll just disappear." Of course, pandemics. First of all, pandemics don't last forever. Viruses destroy themselves because that if anybody understands anything about a virus, if they affect everybody, the virus itself is killing itself because they don't have anybody else to infect. So that's how they well, the, no, the virus no, no, no. survives. If it's so, deadly. Yeah, exactly. So viruses that are super deadly tend not to spread right. because they kill people and they right. can't spread it. Well, exactly. So That's if it's why not, if it's not viruses that spread the most are the ones that don't kill you; they just make you sick. Right. Like herpes, they say, what is it? Like half of Americans have herpes or something. I have no idea. Because herpes <clears throat> doesn't kill you. It just says, sometimes it just it's stays not even with you for life. Yeah, sometimes it's even more asymptomatic. I mean, you may have yeah, it, yeah. you don't know, you don't it, you know, know or, it. Yeah. or represents itself or exposes itself right. later in your life when your immune system is different. Right. But so exactly. So that's the point. So this one, we've been dealing with it for, you know, better six months or so. And then, you know, Trump says, OK, it'll disappear. Obviously, that's his line. And then on the opposite side, 
they extract this soundbite from Fauci saying, oh, this may stay with us forever. And they say, oh, Fauci contradicts Trump because Trump says he'll disappear. Fauci says stay forever. Okay. Well, First of all. Will it stay with us forever? Probably. But me, Polio the, still exists. Yeah, exactly. But nobody's Wait, exactly. dying of polio Exactly. Days. That's my point that when Trump is saying it'll disappear, it, he, he doesn't mean the virus will disappear or whatever. He'll, he's basically yeah, I mean, saying... That's a different conversation. Right. He's, he's not great at explaining things. Right. He's Mr. Somebody, whatever. So he's saying it'll disappear from being a factor that we're going to be in the news every day and having a press conference every day about this thing. Just like we don't have a press conference about the cold, the flu, or the Zika virus when it comes. You know, it just comes and goes and disappears. So when, when, when President Trump says it'll disappear, he means... It'll basically become a known factor or a known factor that is not enough to yeah, affect our lives. And when Fauci is saying it may stay with us forever, he's basically saying same the same. same thing. He's saying the same thing, saying, yeah, right. this virus may stay with us forever, but at the same time, we're going to have a treatment. No, it will. Then I mean, it's just I mean a virus be... like this that's so contagious and so widespread isn't just going to go away. Right, exactly. It's going to be with exactly. us. Exactly. But it, I, it could go It'll go... be second wave, third waves. We don't have to call... We don't call the, the cold and the flu season like a 20th wave or whatever. It's like, okay, it's flu no, season. It'll, it'll Get go your flu shot. Of, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> it'll go the way of polio. I mean, polio doesn't still exists people there's rare cases where people get polio obviously these days with anti-vaxxers sometimes they get polio whatever that's their fucking problem but um yeah i mean people don't die of polio but, but, but that's it used to point. be like like a huge percentage of the population would just get polio you know and it ruined their lives now who who gets polio anymore you know so right. like but do yeah. we need to do we need to destroy world economies i mean because like I said, it's the elections or whatever. I mean, you have Trump saying, okay, it'll disappear. Fauci says it'll stay forever. And now the media is basically saying, oh, they contradict each other. He's part of the White House uh, uh, overseeing committee for all the virus and expert epidemiology stuff. And they, they don't agree. It's like, yeah, they're agreeing. It's just that you're extracting little lines from each of them to make like it look I like they disagree. Like I said, but I think that the traditional media institutions are completely falling apart. But how they, uh, who, who do they benefit? Because right now we have the economy. How do they benefit their readers? We keep, we keep, be, they benefit the readers who want to hear those things. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying, that the readers People now need to in. have much more um, clinical um, um, knowledge to say this is completely bullshit, okay? I, I, I need to read the whole thing and then go beyond the headline oh, of course. to see that what it's Fauci a, really said is that, yeah, it may stay forever, but that doesn't mean that we cannot deal with I, it just I like we deal think, with everything else. I don't think it's a political thing of like left-right. I think it's an institutional thing. Um, and I just think that institutions on all sides are falling apart. Uh, like, like I was reading an article yesterday. I, I'm, I don't read New York Times anymore because I've lost respect for them. But there was, well, Isn't that a sad thing to begin with? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the major newspapers in the world. Yeah, I used to if like not the, in the time, country. But I don't. I, I mean, don't you read have them anymore. You used to have the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and now we're losing faith in all this or or credibility in all this. Forget USA Today, that basically was a piece of shit. But uh, we're losing uh, credibility in all these major news sources but, because they are selling themselves to to clickbait. What I was gonna say was, I was reading this article. Because I, it was trending on Twitter. It was basically um, about Kanye West's campaign and uh, presidential campaign. And I was reading it, and it was just the way it was written. I was like, I would love 
to like take a journalist from like the 1950s or 60s back when like journalistic integrity was like the thing that you always had this journalistic code and like have them read this and say like take a report a times reporter from 1960 and have them read this article from 2020 and they would probably fucking weep because this article was so obviously anti-Kanye, like it wasn't reporting, it was supposed to be reporting about how um, certain Republican leaders were helping him get on ballots in different states um, because they wanted a challenger to mm -hmm. take votes away from Biden, okay? But the way it was written was like, Kanye West in his manic state is traveling around the country spouting crazy blah blah, like that's not journalism. That's well, not journalism. Like, it was be... like, and and then it would it would they would throw in a person's name. It was so funny. It was like they, were, and he hired this person to run his campaign. And they said this person in two thousand, which and they said which by the way this person in two thousand three said this this thing about um, abortion. I think is what it was. And I don't remember exactly what they said, but it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like this person is obviously not pro-abortion. Um, it, but it wasn't like. I forget exactly what I said, but they said, but they were like, like they threw it in, like, look, he hired, like, instead of just saying he hired this person as his campaign manager, he hired this person as a campaign manager. And this person said this, this, and this, which is why this person's crazy. And Kanye is crazy. And blah, like, I was like, this isn't journalism. Well, but that's, and I was like, that was the first article I've read from the times in like a few months. Cause I was like, all right, let me read this real quick. Cause I was just interested in what it said. And I'm like, this isn't journalism. This is an opinion well, see, article. Exactly. That you just said it. Because before... This person doesn't like Kanye. I can tell. Before newspapers or basically any news type show, whether it's radio, TV or whatever, they used to have the factual news. They tell you the news as it is with no opinion. Right. And this, by the way, and this then you article... Have the editorial. This article was not in the op-ed section. Right. This was in the news uh, section. Exactly. Now there's no op-ed. That's the problem. I mean, you have the... And, and there's few newspapers that respect that firewall between this is what happened and we're going to give you just the news exactly as it happened reporting the numbers and no stupid headlines or nothing this is exactly the facts and then we have the op-ed of the editorial columns where this is the guy that is more this way and the guy or lady that is more that way and then you align yourself with whomever you want and then i actually grew up reading certain columnists just because I like to hear their opinion. And obviously, they, you, you, you always read what you want to hear, you know, or what you want to read or hear well, what you want to hear. that's my point. You ask who's reading. It's people who basically, if you're an anti-Kanye person, then you're right. going to love that article. Exactly. exactly. That's my point. But, but, but that doesn't make it good journalism. Right, right. So, anyways, I mean, I, I think, like, honestly, and, and this is not to be political, but when everybody's thinking, oh, when this thing ends, it's going to end on November 3rd or whatever elections and blah, 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 and all that stuff on Biden. It's like, honestly, I mean, I don't want to be one side or the other. I don't think Biden being president for the last three years instead of Trump, if he had been president now, would have done any much, much better than what we've done right now. Seriously. Okay, we could have end, uh, addressed the pandemic sooner. No, I don't think so. I don't know. Everybody is, playing, playing. I was very critical of Trump in addressing the pandemic, but the problem was, if you remember, because you can go back and look at plenty of very left-leaning news outlets back in February, making, because there was a, like, um, Vox had an article that was making fun of 
um, basically uh, VCs in February who were like prepping for the virus and saying, hey, we're going to stop doing handshakes. And they were making fun of them. This was Vox making fun of them first banning handshakes. And now no, everybody banned handshakes. It's it's the yeah, norm, I mean, I, but they were top, making fun of it. So it well, wasn't a, like I said, the problem with this is it's not a left right thing. Everybody wants to make everything political. Right. That's my point. Exactly. It's not left right. It's a competency thing. It's not, it has nothing to do with political beliefs. It's the fact that it seems that acro across many levels we have incompetency. Yeah, and nobody's saying uh, in, that the, the, the um, approach of the uh, fighting the pandemic procedures and all that stuff was perfect. I mean, obviously, you, I mean, nothing Macron is... I mean, Macron in France, who's as liberal as it gets, fam I mean, it was like almost like ironic. He gave a speech saying, well, we're not going to close anything. Yeah. We're not going to do anything. It's France won't be affected. And like two days later, they shut the country down. Yeah, so did Boris Johnson. And this is like and, and, Macron, who, uh, France was like, fuck, if you think we have liberals here, go to France. You know, like, that's my... It wasn't no, a left-right I mean, every country... There's no single country that says, oh, we did it perfectly. Even Germany. Germany was the example of, oh, we basically... Maybe Taiwan. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, but... So, so uh, yeah, and, and they, even everybody was saying South Korea, they have, they have different cases. <clears throat> Not to mention that, you know, China said that they only had 3,000 deaths, and it's like, <clears throat> okay, yeah, i like to see that in a country with 1.6 billion, and Wuhan has, like, millions of people right there. So... Yeah, everybody can say we could have done it better. Honestly, Biden, I don't know, if he wins on November 3rd, it's not like all of a sudden things are going to change. And all of a sudden, miraculously, oh, there's no more waves. And the press, because it's more liberal, we're going to say, oh, well, you know, now all of a sudden they flip the, the, the numbers and they start reporting, oh, we only have uh, 20 deaths. The mortality rate is way down from what it used to be. No, now we're... we're reporting mortality rate which is definitely down i mean let's think about it 330 million people uh what do we have how many uh, people um infected like 4.5 million or something and about 155,000 people dead okay so that's like a point one percent of the population i mean i'm doing rough numbers and it's like okay <laughs> yeah of course every death is bad but at the same time, it's like, well, like we used to say, now it becomes a statistic now saying, okay, well, you know, I mean, those people, they have existing conditions or pre-existing conditions, they probably would have died of the flu or this or pneumonia or whatever, and now they are all cataloged as coronavirus deaths. It's like, okay, you know, I mean, how many people didn't die because they were confined? They didn't die of this or accidents or whatever. And how many people are dying now because the suicide rate is super high, drug consumption is super high, people are like, climbing off the walls. I mean, it's, there's a lot of side effects and unintended consequences that are taking place now on the country economy. We cannot just keep printing money because we're actually killing, metaphorically, the next generation. They're going to be in so much fucking debt that they, I don't know how they're going to make it. You know, because we just solve, I mean, the, 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 the problem of uh, uh, in the, in the uh, democratic um, debates when Andrew Yang was saying, oh, yeah, UBI, universal basic income, blah, blah, blah. And everybody was saying, oh, yeah, how are you going to fund this thing? How are you gonna, oh, we just answered the question. Very easy to fund it. They were asking him to, to come up with solutions on how they're going to fund that thing. Well, before it was, like, oh, we're going to take money from here and save money there and blah, 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 and doing all this complicated math. Well, there's no problem. We'll just print more money. That's what we're doing now. Now we're trying to pass another two trillion package because, you know. Oh, I know. It's a, it, the it's funny thing a, is like, like, the question you of, can you like the funny thing is that, you know, 
you can make fun of Democrats for never worrying about the money side of things that they just want to make everything perfect because uh, we can just money isn't an issue is never an issue. But then Republicans do the same thing. Republicans just print money like it's nothing. Republicans don't give a fuck. The only difference is Democrats don't pretend that they don't care about money. Republicans pretend they care about money, but don't care about money either. They just spent, I mean, we've, how many trillions have we printed? And this isn't, I mean, this is Mitch McConnell and Trump doing this. These are Republicans doing it. It's what, not a, what, It's not over because right now we have. They just pre Mitch McConnell pretends he cares about uh, the fiscal debt ceiling, but he doesn't give a fuck. No, they don't I mean, give we, a fuck. we don't even have a ceiling anymore. You don't, have a ceil this is like you a, don't need a debt ceiling. It's like a because they big bang theory. They figured it out. They said, hey. We don't need a debt ceiling. We can just print money. So even if we're about to cap the meet the cap on the debt ceiling, we can just print money and have more money anyways. Exactly, exactly. And that's and, and, and another topic I wanted to discuss today is the fact that it's because like of this, the, the famous thing of like, what's more dangerous, a crook? Uh, what's more dangerous to be in charge, a crook or a fool? I don't know because I think probably people who are super liberal who think money is never an issue are probably fools. But I think Republicans who know money is an issue but do it anyways are just fucking crooks. Yeah. How so else, I don't know who's worse. How else did you explain the fact that the market is almost back to record highs right now in the middle of this pandemic? I mean, inflation. Exactly. That's, well, that's what it thing. is. Isn't Why do you think gold and silver have gone up? Gold. Okay. Gold is a multi-multi-trillion dollar market cap uh, commodity. For it to make multiple percentage swings is hundreds of billions of dollars in value. Gold doesn't just grow like that. It's not a company. Gold didn't report good earnings, okay? It's that we printed so much money that gold becomes more valuable. Gold exactly. is over 2,000 an ounce now. Yeah, it is. And silver, silver has gone from... Yeah, silver too. Silver, just in the, today, is up about 5.5%. Yesterday, was up another 8%. Did silver announce really good earnings yesterday? What happened? Yeah, yeah, Did exactly. they beat their earnings good, expectations? Good expectations, yeah. We're going to have a lot. Of, we found out that there's no more silver on the planet. And yeah. all of a sudden, it becomes a hot come up. You know, that, uh, that along with the fact that the Fed is just buying stocks. Is the biggest buyer now because this is prompting the market by just buying shares. It's just buying, just buying stocks from everything, buying debt, whatever. I mean, the market is now back to, which is fine. Everybody's 401k is going to feel great and everybody's investment is going to feel great. But trust me, that's just fucking fake. At some point, yeah, but the shit is going to hit the like fan. Like we've discussed before, you know, only about a third of Americans have a 401k. Um, most Americans don't. Who holds, basically, if you look at the distribution of people, what what group of people mostly has their money in cash? What group of people is that? I don't know. What group of people has to have most of their money in cash? That they don't have enough money to have tons of different assets and investments. Oh, yeah, 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 obviously. It's poorer people. Right, right. Yeah. Lower middle class and poor people, they don't own assets. They don't own stocks. They don't own houses, real estate, gold. They don't. They can't own and, that and, stuff and that's because, the thing. because they need <clears throat> the cash to live. They don't have enough excess money so that they can invest in those things. The money they have, they need to live, and their money, their dollars, are becoming worth so much less. Inflation. The biggest lie about inflation is that it hurts everybody. It doesn't. It hurts disproportionately lower middle class and poor people because rich right. people if you're rich you know about inflation you say well i can own gold i can own real estate i can own businesses or, or stocks so that my money isn't in cash and it doesn't devalue 
but because you don't need that much cash to live, right? You can have most rich people have maybe 10% of their money in cash. They don't have, when you see someone's worth a billion dollars, they don't have a billion in cash. They have maybe 50 to a hundred million in cash and 900 million in assets, right? So when inflation doesn't affect them that much, but if you're poor and all you have is $5,000 to your name, you can't invest shit. But guess what? Today that money was 5,000, tomorrow it's worth four. Right? And that's the other thing that people don't understand. That they it's don't kind understand of it. No, no. But another thing is when they like they buy something. They buy a house, for example, and you buy a house years ago for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Right. And that house today, you look at Zillow, whatever you want to look, and it's it says three hundred. My house is worth three hundred thousand. You say, Oh my God, my house is worth no. Your house doesn't appreciate that much. Right. What happens is that your money In some is cases, more expensive now right. and you can't even afford the house now. If you were to buy the house now, you couldn't afford it because your dollar is worth so much less that that's why the house is worth 300. All of a sudden, your dollar that was like this big right. is become this little and now you need many more to afford the same house. Right. So people say, oh, it's appreciation. No, it's the fact that your dollar is worth less and now that the house is worth that's 350. Why, why but do they, you think, they, people don't understand that. So why do you think wealthy people are buying so much real estate right now? Why do you think the real estate market's growing so much? Because what is the advantage of a mortgage? Okay, if you if you can get a fixed rate mortgage for a certain price, if you buy a house today for three hundred thousand dollars and right now interest rates, you can get a two and a half percent, three percent interest rate, which is insane. Okay, you get a tiny interest rate on a fixed rate mortgage for three hundred thousand. If you know that the dollar is going down by ten percent in value a year, which at this point it is because inflation is basically ten percent right now, they're, they'll lie and say it isn't, but it is. But you put your money in that house and you have a tiny interest rate, which you can get right now. It's a no brainer to right. buy real estate. So that's why real estate's going up because people are realizing wealthy people say, hey, fuck it. I'm just going to put my money. But you in know real what estate. the interesting thing is? Because I can take advantage that mortgage applications are going up. However, the banks who actually know this shit are actually making it more difficult to approve mortgages. So it, they, they tell you that, oh, the housing market is booming, mortgage applications are up. Yes, applications are up because people are realizing, hey, 2.5%, 3%, I locked the rate for 30 years, that's fantastic. So they apply for either a mortgage or a refinance of the existing mortgage. However, the banks are putting many more um, hurdles for people to get approved because they know that those people, they say, okay, well, this is not going to be beneficial for me. So they're putting many more obstacles to get those mortgages approved. First of all, they ask you for a higher deposit. They says, okay, you're gonna buy this house, you're gonna have to have more skin in the game. Instead of five, 10%, you're gonna have to put 20% down now. Okay, so if things change, we're gonna be covered because we already have 20% down that you pay for the house and it's not just us lending the money, it's you also putting your money. And then they're gonna, they're going through all this extra proof, so a lot of people get turned down too. There's a lot of applications, but what you don't hear in the news is how many of those applications are actually approved and how many are not and fall through because people are not able to pass all the all the scrimmage, you know, from the bank. So well, that's another example to illustrate is like a famous thing is like people say, if you look on average, the S&P goes up 7% a year yeah, and it has for 100 years, blah, blah, blah. Actually, it hasn't. Uh, go look. There's a great chart that you can find. Just search S&P versus gold. Um, the S&P doesn't go up 7% a year because keep in mind, S&P is built of for the most part, huge companies, okay? For a huge company to grow 7% would mean adding billions in revenue. That doesn't just happen magically every year, okay? Really, the S&P has probably gone up 3% a year, 2% a year, and the rest was inflation, 
That's what it yeah, was. Because right. if you look at S&P versus gold, it goes up a couple percent. And S&P versus gold in the last, uh, basically since the last recession, hasn't gone up, basically. I mean, it really hasn't gone up much. So really, that means, okay, so these businesses are actually growing probably in real terms, maybe two, three percent a year on average. That makes a lot more sense because there's no way in hell all of these huge companies are growing, becoming seven percent more productive. Well, every that year. and the, the fact that the market is overbought. I mean, you have some companies that are, they are like trading at fifty times earnings. Oh, I know. Two hundred I mean, times earnings, earnings multiples are like nobody like, cares anymore. Yeah, it's like nobody that, cares. It's anymore. like a statistic that people don't even look at. They uh, say <laughs> value investing is like if you're still trying to value invest. Listen, you're in my thoughts and prayers because give up because value investing is like out the fucking window. It's just you can't value invest anymore. Yeah. You can't look at companies as value stocks. It's all about growth. That's all that matters. So let's uh, let's uh, move on a little bit. Uh, so last week we had the uh, <clears throat> majority of the podcast going through the big tech, um, the big four CEOs uh, testifying before Congress about. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get into that, I thought we we needed to mention TikTok before that because <clears throat> that's the major news story. We're. Uh, 50 minutes in and we haven't talked about TikTok yet. Well, so I want to that's that. that's going to be part of it because w w what I was leading into is that the fact that the big the big the big four uh, which was Facebook, Amazon, uh, Apple and Google <clears throat> were testifying before Congress and it was mostly an antitrust anti-monopoly hearing so it wasn't about censorship or anything it was strictly based into that. And amazingly the day after all those companies reported <clears throat> um, quarterly uh, benefit, uh, quarterly reports um, on their on their uh, performance, basically, and they all did fantastic. I mean, uh, Amazon uh, hit new records. Yeah, but that's the, that should be surprising to anybody. No, no, that's exactly the, the thing. I mean, the that, physical economy has taken <clears throat> a tank, but the digital economy, which all of those companies right. operate in, the digital. The only economy, one actually that didn't do as expected was Google that took a hit on advertising because a lot of companies are still not advertising fully. But Facebook, despite all the boycotts and all that stuff, they said, eh, it doesn't really affect us. Like he actually, uh, Zuckerberg said that in Congress, said, yeah, you know, we, yeah, we have 11, 1,100 advertisers that are boycotting us. And he says, hey, it doesn't really affect us that much. Yeah, because they don't spend that much. Right. Actually, the far majority of Facebook ad revenue is like small businesses. But it's not the big companies. Remember, this is where I get to the TikTok part. Uh, one of the things that was that Zuckerberg specifically was accused of, or even Amazon stuff, is that they take their kind of customers or rivals uh, technology and they copy it and then to, for their own benefit. So yeah. uh, Facebook... Zuckerberg was specifically uh, accused or, or basically pointed out when he threatened uh, Instagram and Systrom saying, hey, either you change or we buy you or we destroy you. And they ended up basically buying Instagram and just rather than developing their own technology, then they copy Snapchat, many of the features like the stories and all that stuff. Well, now TikTok is being in the news because obviously all the ties with the CCP and all that and Trump, uh, President Trump said that he was going to ban TikTok unless Microsoft, in this case, completes the deal by mid-September, I think he said. Um, guess what? Microsoft, I'm sorry, uh, Facebook just yesterday launched Instagram Reels, which is something they've been working on for a while. Obviously, this is not something they do right away. But 
Facebook was already working on the TikTok knockoff, okay, which is exactly what Instagram Reels is. Yeah, it's- so they launched a separate one actually, like six months ago. It was mm-hmm. a totally separate app, totally failed. Nobody used it, so they <clears> shut <throat> it down. And they decided, okay, we're just going to build it into Instagram now instead. Right. Um, yeah, it's a TikTok clone. I checked it out. It's they, they copied it exactly. They did exactly what they did to Snapchat, but to TikTok, it's exactly the same. You can scroll through the feed. You have uh, fifteen sounds. Seconds. You have no. It's more than fifteen, isn't it? No, fifteen seconds. I think it's. Oh, is it? Thing. Oh, TikTok's yeah. a minute. Um, you can use sounds. You can. It's. It's exactly the same as TikTok. Yeah, you have your filters. I don't think you it's not your- as good, but yet obviously, um, but it's it's exactly the same. Well, I mean, I'm assuming being a Facebook product, they're gonna start. The main thing, the but synergy. the main thing they need to copy is the algorithm, and obviously, I don't think they're gonna have a problem because the Instagram algorithm already is pretty decent. So. Um, we'll see if they can replicate the TikTok algorithm within Reels. Uh, but if they can do that... Well, but I mean, even if they do that, and this is the other topic, going to TikTok now being bought out by uh, Microsoft, I don't know much of the latest news. You have uh, more information yeah, on that. Yeah, so I mean, I th- I'm sure most people have heard of it by now, but um, they were trying to buy it. The rumor was $30 billion, but they were only buying US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Right. Um, and now, oh, in the UK, I think. Um, and now, no, I don't think UK was included no, okay. originally. And now they're trying to buy the, the whole thing. They just want to buy all of TikTok. Basically, the whole the global besides basically China. Yeah, um, I, didn't, I never understood how how Microsoft or any company can say, "Oh, we're gonna buy the TikTok in yeah, the US, Canada, New Zealand, kind of Australia." Confusing. And then how's that? I mean, it's a global um, social media platform. So yeah. and the whole thing is because TikTok was basically controlled by the CCP, by the Communist Party of China. And, uh, you know, I mean, the technology is always there. So are you going to put a firewall where nobody gets anything else in China? So that was kind of iffy how they're going to control that and move the headquarters to the U.S. and all that. Yeah. So now they're just trying to buy the whole thing. Basically, ByteDance can keep, um, what's it called in China? Do you remember the name of it? Uh, No. I I always forget the name of it. Um, I made a mistake on a previous podcast where right. I called ByteDance. The yeah, ByteDance is the parent company. They own right. many things, not just TikTok. But um, anyways, they'll keep the China version, but the global rest of the world version would be Microsoft. Which, by the way, you think if Microsoft goes through with it, that India will then reallow TikTok? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't see why not. I think they would, right? Yeah. Um, just a side tangent, but well, that's um, that's already uh, well, that's a hundred uh. How many million users they had in India? That was a big hit for uh, over a hundred million, I think. Yeah, yeah. India, uh, TikTok was big in India. Yeah, it was very big. Yeah, so they lost like twenty percent of their uh, um, user base. So, anyways, so so, but the so, number now looks like it might be more like fifty, maybe sixty billion. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the whole thing, <laughs> which is still a steal, but is it just pure cash? Or how is that gonna no, be? I'm sure it's a stock. Whatever. I'm not sure exactly the makeup of the deal i'm sure it'll be well somebody i mean we're paying that money to china to bite dance which is where well it's a chinese company but it's uh officially or unofficially well i don't know i mean i mean we, officially bite dance is just a chinese company operated by a chinese entrepreneur right. and investor so no different than a company here unofficially yeah of course they're involved with the ccp no, no, I understand. But uh, bottom line is, whatever the price is, if Microsoft is paying $60 billion, however it goes, to to buy TikTok, that's money that we're sending to China. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they, you know, I, sending sixty billion dollars of American money to the country that is costing well, it's us. It's not gonna be dollars. Okay, it's gonna be probably just shares of Microsoft. Well, either so, way, so either way, the, however you send it, you're sending a value of sixty billion dollars that are good dollars versus, uh, you know, to the country that is costing us right now about six, seven, eight trillion dollars. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that, you know, even though Trump wanted that to happen, that Trump said, "Hey, you should give that money to me." Uh, well, Trump said that, the, yeah, that he brokered the deal. He and said he like, should get money. Like the art of like the deal. He said he the said, treasury should get some of the money. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he basically said like like, hey, as you get a commission, basically, you so said I brokered this deal for you, and and Microsoft is like, yeah, we're buying this thing. I don't know why Microsoft was singled out as far as the buyer. I don't well, know if any company could, could have. Who is, who's going to buy it? Facebook well, definitely could not buy none it. None of the four that were testifying uh, for Google's sure. Google's not going to buy it. Apple's not interested in buying it. They even said it afterwards. Um, so there's only so many companies that could even buy it, first of all. It's not like how many companies have $50 billion to drop, okay, first of all. Second of all, um, of the companies that could, most of them don't want to touch it because they don't want to get antitrust against them so microsoft has basically nothing in consumer these days besides windows which is like old school they have nothing mobile consumer um and so that you can't make any antitrust claims against them and so they're gonna buy it no, my point was microsoft's like market cap is 1.6 trillion so 30 billion is 0.2 percent of that 0.2 percent so for 0.2% of the market, oh, and by the way, the stock went up on the news, so the market grew 70 billion. So even if they end up buying them for 50 billion, their market cap went up 70 billion. So they basically got the company for free just based on the news. They actually made money. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just have a- But my point is, tick, tick, the fact that TikTok is gonna sell for 30, no one would ever, if TikTok was an American company and you wanted to buy them, they wouldn't sell. They literally, wouldn't sell unless you offered them some ridiculous multiple hundreds of billions of dollars because TikTok is going to easily be worth 100 to 200 billion within the next three years. They could. Obviously, easily. We, we don't know how Reels is going to uh, develop, grow, whatever. I and if work. customers are going to shift from one platform to the other. If Unless TikTok disappears, I don't think uh, Reels is going to be TikTok. The only way Reels beats TikTok is if TikTok disappears. Yeah, yeah, obviously, but uh, um, um, but the thing, I, I mean, I just have a a little moral issue with thinking we're buying something from China, all this trade war with China, and all of a sudden we're buying one of their platforms just so they don't buy our data or get our data for sixty billion or whatever amount, amount of money when they are indirectly or directly costing what do you us. What you want to do? You want to? Well, I don't know. I mean, I say yeah, it's worth sixty billion, but that money is not leaving the U.S. We'll uh, allow you to invest that money in U.S. companies or do something, you know. But we're not physically sending sixty well, like billion dollars to China. It's not dollars. It's going to be shares. Microsoft isn't going to write them a check for sixty billion cash. It's going to be shares. That's yeah, how these okay, acquisitions well, work. You sell the share. You get the shares. Yeah, what they, they do with the shares the is shares. up to their own discretion. Right. But I mean, either way, it's just basically um, giving them. I'm less worried about that. Um, I just hope Microsoft doesn't fuck up TikTok because... Uh, I don't think they know what to do with it. Microsoft is not great at consumer apps. Um, I don't think they need to touch it. 
I mean, they already have a CEO. I hope they an American don't. CEO. I hope they don't. I mean, they. they well, I was going to ask you, by the way, what do you think the the Disney streaming guy who left Disney to yeah. go be CEO of TikTok? Oh, that was another company who's rumored Disney, Disney might buy TikTok, but that doesn't look like it's happening. Um, I was thinking more, also like maybe Netflix or any of these other streaming. Yeah, uh, I don't think Netflix is into social. Um, that's why. I don't know. It looks like it's gonna be Microsoft. Because um, they can use TikTok to make like the uh, like the Quibi. I don't know if uh, Netflix has the money. My stock, whatever. I mean, obviously. Anyways, yeah. um, I don't know if there's their focus either. But um, um, yeah, how do you think he's feeling right now? That he he leaves Disney streaming like two months ago to be CEO of TikTok, and this is like the most. This has got to be the most chaotic first two months for any CEO of a big company. I think he'll be. I I, I honestly think that he'll be relieved because he ran into a company that obviously had the ties with China. Yeah, but uh, he, he was between a rock and a... Yeah, I know, but secret. he was between... Yeah, but it was a little more under the radar saying, oh, it's TikTok, TikTok, and then the connection with China became more publicly known to the point that the president... Was it ever publicly unknown? Well, by the users, I think so. I don't think... No, the, I think most users knew, they just don't care. Right. Yeah, but but at the same time, you know, what is in the news and you start getting all these... Like, like, from what I saw, for the most part... Um, especially like young people, Gen Z, don't give a fuck. I understand. They don't care. I understand. Like, I don't care if China sells my data. They don't care now, but you know, I mean, eventually, it's not. It's not a good thing. If you have a social media platform that is sending all your information to I'm a Chinese Communist Party. But so, I'm just saying, I don't think people. Care. Right. So, but but to answer your question, I think it's a little more relief saying, okay, I still have TikTok. Now I have full control, and now I can basically control the whole Western Hemisphere except for China. And I'm out of trouble. Basically, I can I can exploit the content, the, the content, and the advertising, and everything, and all the the platform overall without being concerned about what data is sent to a communist party in China. You know, so so I think that's that's actually a good move. And then he continues to be the CEO and based in the U.S. So I think that's good. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, everything needs to be completed um, in the next few weeks. Just please, they fucked up Skype. Link. I don't think they fucked up Skype. I mean, Skype didn't... What do you mean? No, seriously. I mean, what, the, the problem is they didn't do anything with it. And they didn't, it yeah, didn't evolve. Well, yeah, that's fucking it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, Skype... Basically, Zoom should not exist. No, if I understand. Skype that's a whole had continued on their progression. Skype, if people remember, was the biggest uh, video platform... Video, uh, what do you call it? Talking platform in the world. Mm-hmm. Not even close. And... Microsoft buys them and does nothing. Yeah, for well, the same thing. Ten years. What did they do to LinkedIn? LinkedIn, yeah, it's, that's mean, my point, though. Okay, that well, they buy these platforms and they leave them to die. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, I think in this case with TikTok having its own CEO like if and all Skype that stuff, basically continued to be run by either the founders or someone who cared about it then there would be no reason that Zoom should exist. Plain and simple. Skype should be Zoom. Well, and Skype should have been Zoom five years ago. Yeah, because you remember they have Skype um, They have Skype business. They started Skype for business, which fucking sucks. Nobody right. uses well, it. Well, Microsoft Teams actually is, is now... So uh, they're competing against right. themselves. They made my, Skype really should be Slack and Zoom built into one. Right. And they completely failed. I've been, I've been in a few conferences, with uh, video conferences with uh, Microsoft Teams which worked just fine. And I was wondering, why did Microsoft start Microsoft Teams for video conferencing and all the stuff when you can actually have Skype business and do the same thing? And, and it's, it's funny because I had a few of them back maybe a year ago with Microsoft Business, 
and it was so convoluted that even the owners of the accounts didn't know how to even use it. We ended up having just a phone call conversation because it was just too convoluted to even get into a video. The only so. thing I like Skype for, there's literally one thing. When I need to call our international yeah, clients, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, their yeah. credits, yeah. it's way cheap. Like if, I, if Verizon charges me fucking a million dollars to make an international call, right. Skype has really cheap credits. Yeah. That's literally the only thing I like Skype for is they have really cheap international credits if but I need to call just a for phone norm, number. That's just normal calls, but you can set up the same call with, uh, with uh, like WhatsApp or anything. If it's just a video call, I call all my international clients via WhatsApp. Yeah, but it's for more for like leads and stuff. That's what I mean. Like if I have an international lead from somewhere in Europe or something or anywhere else that leaves a phone number, uh, I can call them with Skype and it's cheap. That's yeah, the only thing I that's use. That's fine. For. I mean, I do the same thing, but I just tell them what's your WhatsApp number and yeah, everybody elsewhere right. has WhatsApp. And then you can have video calls on WhatsApp and everything. The only thing that I, the challenge with WhatsApp is that it only works on, on mobile. It doesn't have a, um, the video and all that stuff doesn't work on computers. So you're on mobile all the time, so which is fine. So, all right, so let's wrap it up. Anything else? Uh, we basically covered a lot of things. Um, no, I think that's it. All right, go so. Suns. Oh, I'm gonna, the game probably starts pretty soon. I'm going to go watch it. Yeah, that's the thing. This bubble thing has games so freaking. Oh, I love it. Games start at 10.30 in the morning. I know. It's very March Madness-y. If people yeah, watch yeah, March yeah, Madness, yeah. So the that's games right, are all day. Right. It's very yeah, much I mean, Madness. I'm not ready to watch a game in the middle of it. I don't game. watch during the day unless it's like a very specific game. But like, I'll like be checking the score, or you know, if I have it on my other monitor on my computer while I'm working or something. It's it's nice. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've watched. I'm a big soccer fan, so I watch the Champions League and UEFA Champions League or Cup, which is European time. So usually they start about noon for us. Yeah, same thing. You like to watch soccer during the day. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, I do those. But I mean, right now there's nothing going on yet uh even though the champions league is coming back i think this weekend actually with uh resuming you know what they ended so um yeah so anyways the suns are playing in about three minutes or half an hour or something my 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 dark horse pick now so i said my dark horse pick last week i had two teams i said philly and houston i said they're either going to be heroes or zeros philly looks like a fucking zero i don't know what they're doing now ben simmons is injured I, i shouldn't have had any faith um the Rockets look really good. I have a lot of... I think the Rockets... I think, I think the Rockets is one of the teams that during the pandemic, they've come up stronger because they were, they seem to be burnt out. I just... Th- this, is the, this is the dream scenario for the Rockets, okay? If the Rockets want to win a championship, they just really need to hope they don't have to play the Lakers. If they... If like Clippers and Lakers play and then Clippers can beat the Lakers and then Rockets meet the Clippers, they'll be great. They have a great matchup. The problem is the Rockets don't have a center. So if they have to play Anthony Davis, they're fucked, basically. They're going to lose that series. But if they can get away with not having to face the Lakers, if the Lakers get eliminated by somebody else, I think the Rockets have a real chance at winning the championship. I think they look really good. So you still have the same uh, final as you had like a couple of weeks ago or last week? What was my final? I think I actually said Lakers. But I mean, I still have yeah, faith you had in Lakers the Lakers. Box, but I still I don't have know. faith in the Lakers. Because right. at the end of the day, I just think LeBron James and Anthony Davis are just going to be tough to beat come crunch time. You know, it's it's They're not playing very hard right now. So when it comes to like fucking it's a game six game seven ad and lebron are going to turn it up okay and that's yeah, the so so will everybody else yeah but they're ad and lebron the clippers don't have an answer for anthony davis because they don't have a center even mantras Harrell, like he had uh, someone i think his wife died or something or yeah, his yeah, mother. yeah he had to leave his mother was in an accident that's right his mother okay yeah yeah she she died and now he's coming back so i don't know but even but besides that it was just Matchup wise, he's a small small center, right? He's not a big center. 
So that's their biggest problem. Um, and then LeBron James in the playoffs, I mean, he has Actually, I think, sorry, I think it was his grandmother. Was his grandmother? That was I his think mother. so. I think Someone close to him, basically. Yeah, some family member. Um, and um, they said he come back whenever he comes back. Yeah. But the point was... But he needs to get into the bubble procedure again, which yeah. is not going to be that quick. Yeah. He needs to be two weeks. Yeah. But, but the point is, uh, I just think... Listen, LeBron James is LeBron James. I don't need to say anything. The guy went to, what, eight straight finals? Um, so his playoff performance speaks for itself. And now he's on a team with Anthony Davis, who is just a nightmare to try to match up with. And especially... If you're the opposing team center and you're like, fuck, I got to play seven straight games against this big motherfucker, good luck, you know? So that's why I still think they're my favorites. All but right. it'll be interesting. I really, like, if I had to pick, I would pick the Lakers. But I really, I'm not saying they're going to win. I don't have a ton of faith. I think it's really wide open this year. Like, the most wide open it's ever been. I, even It could be the Raptors for a while. Well, yeah, you're taking, really you're taking the home court advantage out of the game, too. So, yeah. literally. So, I think so now it's like, who's going to be... If, if the Raptors end up winning the championship again this year, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, they're playing actually surprisingly well for being oh, the they're great. Leonard. I, I mean, just think it'll be tough. They don't have a guy... The, the thing that Kawhi gave them last year was like, when it comes to what the, you call like nut crunch time, the closer you type. need a bucket. They don't really have that guy. That's the problem. Is Kawhi was that guy, and now he's gone. And I don't think like even Devin Booker basically did to the Clippers. It was like basically we needed four points in the final minute. Devin Booker got us those four points, you know, and that was it. And he won us the game. And if you don't have that guy, it's tough. All right. So you'll be watching basketball. Yes. I'll be watching Formula One again yes. at Silverstone. Hamilton's gonna win the championship. Again. Seven, Congratulations. Seventy-fifth anniversary of uh, Silverstone back in England. Well, actually, last you're, race... We never mentioned on the podcast. Last race was pretty interesting. Your favorite driver in the world. Yeah. He's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. Alonso, he's going back to Reynolds. Spaniard. Yeah, he's going back to Reynolds. But Where before, he won two championships. Yes, but before that, you know what years? Phew, 2003. No, that was Schumacher. 2005. I mean, it was around... Five and six. Five and six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Schumacher won from... Uh, 2000 to 2004, five in a row for Ferrari, and then so Alonso has, is Hamilton going to win five in a row? Yeah, he will. Yeah, this year. Yeah, fuck. Um, but Alonso, I like Hamilton, but I just think. Well, yeah, he's he's a good driver. I mean, I, no, obviously, he's the best think, team. My, and my all problem that. is that I just think F1 these days is too car reliant. Like the driver well, isn't that important it, it's, anymore. It's always been, but yeah, now nowadays. It's funny, but I was just listening to a, a podcast from the BBC this morning, and they were saying you can put Hamilton in a bad car, and yeah, he'll extract a little more from right, the bad that's car, my point. but still not win. Like, However, you put up okay driver in a exactly. good car, and they're going to be better. Yeah, we know that. Like, I mean, Boltas is basically always up there, and Boltas is not a great driver, but he's in the Mercedes, so yes. he's up there all the time. And he's a good, he's the perfect teammate. If you swap Boltos and like uh, any of the other really talented guys, like a Verstappen Al or any is only, guys. I mean, uh, uh, Hamilton has only had two tough teammates. One was Fernando Alonso yeah, when Rosberg, he was... Yeah, won a championship. Yeah, exactly. One was Alonso when he was with McLaren, which only lasted one year because they were actually hitting each other. Actually, it was more Ron Dennis, but it's a whole different conversation. And then obviously, Nico Rosberg, who actually ended up winning a championship, and then he says, I've had enough on my model here. So, but... Um, yeah, Alonso is coming back next year, but before that, he actually is racing at Indianapolis again for McLaren. Mm. Uh, and that thing is August 23rd. In fact, he had to have a special exception from, from the U.S. because he's coming from Spain and the U.S. is not allowing any travelers from Europe. 
without uh, quarantine. So he had to go through all these tests and everything. And now he's he was flying to the U.S. and they had um, an exceptional situation or something. And now he's going to start testing all that. And then in two weeks, Indianapolis 500, which was postponed, is usually Memorial Day weekend. Um, uh, he's going to be racing there too. So I'm looking forward to that. Will be if he wins that one, which is a very very long shot. It'll be his uh, triple crown that he calls, uh, winning the Monaco Grand Prix, um, the uh, what's the uh, Monaco Grand Prix? Oh, Le Mans and 24 Hours of Le Mans, and then uh, Indianapolis 500. So only one other driver has done that. So it's Graham Hill. So, all right. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we started with sports, we end with sports, and we had a lot of uh, pandemic and economy in the middle. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, follow us uh, on basically any social media, Facebook, uh, YouTube, whatever you like this Facebook. podcast. Do we have a Facebook? We have one. I mean, everything that I post on, uh, I don't post on Facebook directly, but um, I post indirectly. When I post on Instagram, it goes to Facebook. If you still use Facebook, um, okay. I mean, I guess that's okay. Sorry about that, right? You're, I'm sorry <laughs> that you still use Facebook. but Yeah, no, we'll be, I mean, the main thing is, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the podcast channels, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, or uh, YouTube. We, we do the video, obviously, for YouTube. And then I usually, uh, we usually dissect the podcast because it's an hour plus into sometimes different highlights and different segments that you can also catch. So, uh, but the main thing for us is you can share it just with one friend. That would be great. If we get more viewers, it'll be great. You get feedback, send it to us. We have no sponsors. We don't want to have anything. Everything is produced by our uh, parent agency, MGR. So um, that's it. And um, until next week, have a great time and weekend. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.